All right. Well, good morning, Fiddle Church. How are we doing this morning? Good, good. good. Well, my name is Stephen, one of the pastors here on staff. And if you have a, a Bible or a smartphone or a tablet or whatever you have in your hand there, go ahead and turn to Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs 18, we're looking at uh, just a, a verse to start our time off together talking about a really important topic. And um, before we get there, though, just a heads up. Uh, so Pastor Chris, uh, our lead pastor, he's usually up here. He's been gone for the last month, and he's been at home studying and reading and just kind of getting ready for the fall. And so we look forward to having him back in the saddle with us next Sunday. And so I look forward to that. Just want to give you a heads up on that. But uh, this morning, we are looking at a topic that is really um, I would say, kind of undervalued in church culture oftentimes. And, and I, I see that because as we think about friendship, as we think about what that means and how that implies you know, the gospel in our lives and how that implies how, how we live every day, it doesn't seem very heavy. It doesn't seem very weighty. It doesn't seem really that important. When I, when I would say that, it's actually very important how we view this. But for some reason in our life, it's just not that way. Uh, and in fact, if you think of other words, like just for a second, as I say these words, think about kind of the value you place in them. So words like mother or father or husband or wife or son or daughter or even, you know, fiance or girlfriend or boyfriend, these are, are words that we kind of like know what those are about. Like, we understand what it means to be a, a dad, right? It's like, that's an, important, that's an important role in somebody's life. You were involved in, in bringing them into the world, and there was a timeline involved where there was some history. There was a birthday that they were a part of, most likely, or maybe even fiancé, right? Like, that word is, is a, it's, it's kind of a temporary season, but at the same time, that relationship is headed somewhere. You know, there's traction. You know that it's moving towards a wedding date. But when you say friendship, it doesn't really kind of carry that punch in a lot of ways, does it? Sometimes it seems a little bit like, that's optional, or uh, if you have time for it. It doesn't quite seem as important as the others. But I, I want to encourage you, challenge you, and edify you, remind you that, man, God has something amazing for us when it comes to friendship. And in fact, God uses friendship in our everyday lives, and he he, he promotes us and he lifts this up as a relationship that is so important on an everyday basis because, as you'll see by the end of our talk, really, this is what God is calling us into himself, is friendship. And so as we look at Proverbs 18, we kind of see that there are some classifications of friendship that are important for us uh, right off the bat. So Proverbs, by the way, Proverbs right in the middle of your Bible, it's uh, to the left of its Psalms, to the right of its Ecclesiastes. Um, but Proverbs 18 is this, is the word of Solomon. He says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So obviously, Solomon wants to make it clear that there are different levels of how we relate to each other. Right? For, for the majority of us, there's going to be kind of these companions, these friends, these acquaintances, the people that we kind of just have in our life. But for others, for one or two, maybe three people, we're going to have these deep friendships, these deep relationships that go the distance. And as we look at this verse, it's so important that we understand that friendship is an important thing. It's, a, it's something worth chasing after. You know, I, I, as I think about even, as we think about the last hundred years or so, kind of like 
culture moving into modern times, the concept of friendship has really changed as well. Like 100 years ago, if, if you said you were friends with someone, that would mean something different than it does today. Because of, of a lack of technology or because of just how people lived in certain groupings, and their friendship was something that was much more based around every day, living life together, doing things together, working together, maybe neighbors, maybe family members. That was friendship. And in 1960... C.S. Lewis, a Christian author that uh, many of us have read his books, but C.S. Lewis, he wrote a book called The Four Loves. And in that book, he describes how friendship has really shifted over time. Friendship is no longer just about kind of doing life together. Friendship has kind of become this secondary, unimportant relationship. Because of the age of sentimentality, the age of romanticism, friendship is now kind of this stepping stone where the ultimate, the apex of, of, of relational uh, interacting with each other has to be sexual contact. And so friendship is kind of just one of those things you, you kind of pass on the way to uh, romantic intimacy. And this is how a lot of the world views friendship. It's like, well, it's not as important. It's kind of a stepping stone to another kind of relationship. And, and let me just tell you that that is not what the Bible says about friendship. That is not a biblical view of friendship. There is so much worthwhile when it comes to relating with one another as friends that it's not simply just a means to an end. It's, it's, it's great all by itself. And as I think about this truth, it's really exciting because it gives me the opportunity, it gives you the opportunity as a church to lead the way in modeling healthy friendship. Right, like I, can't think of, I can't think of anything more practical nowadays that we would model healthy friendship to the world around us, right? That we would relate to one another in a way that just screams, man, this is different. This is better. This is a better way to go about this. Um, and this is the, really the beauty of the gospel in a lot of ways. So when, when God sent his son Jesus to atone for our sins, to die on the cross, he has set us free to live a life that was different, and part of that living differently was modeling friendship in a better way. And so we have the opportunity to do that. Um, and I, I can't think of a, a, a you know, better place to, to talk about this. We, we need friendship in the church. We need those people who care for us, that, that love us, that are looking out for our families, that are looking out for our our, our pets. I mean, so just a quick story. Um, Shane, uh, Pastor Shane, he's, he's actually at Grand Avenue this weekend. Uh, he's our worship pastor. Shane and I have been good friends for a long time. And uh, about seven years ago, my wife and I went on a cruise, and we left my dog with Shane. Now, Shane doesn't like dogs, okay? So first of all, points for him because he took on our dog, and he's very efficient. He's not like to clean up after dogs or do, do those kinds of things. And so we went on this cruise. We left the dog with Shane, and this dog actually got into something he wasn't supposed, she wasn't supposed to eat that night and had, like, gee, like diarrhea all over the living room at their house. So the reason I bring this up is because Shane was truly a friend to me in that he did not throw the dog away, which he does very often. He throws things away a lot. Um, he's very efficient. And, but he cleaned up the dog, cleaned up the living room. He really didn't even say much to me when I got back. And I kind of had to like, ask him, I was like, what happened? He's like, yeah, the dog kind of like, went all over the living room. It's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. And this is, this is what's great about friends, right? Friends, friends help you with things that you don't even know that you need help with. 
Friends are there for you in so many ways. And I can't tell you the amount of times that even some of you in this room have opened up your home to me or my wife and, and loved us and cared for us and, and blessed us in, a, in ways that you'll never even know about. And so as we look at this, this verse, we realize it's, it's so important that we have relationships. It's so important that we have friendships. And, and look, it's not easy for everyone. It's, friendship isn't easy. It's not. It's, it's difficult. Some, some of us have a hard time making friends. And you know, I won't have you raise your hands or anything, but I remember as a kid, uh, one of my highest concerns in my life as you know, probably a 10-year-old was, do these people like me, Right? You ever thinking of this? It's like, I, I hope they like me. I hope this group accepts me. I hope, I hope that I can, I'm one day cool enough to sit at this table at school. Or, and, and a lot of times we just think this is kid stuff. It's not, right? Like we still have these thoughts as adults. We still have these insecurities. It's like, man, I hope that, man, babe, I, I think that, that kind of date night with that couple went well, right? Like that was, that was fun, right? It was fun. Like, I, do you think they liked us? Yeah, I think they liked us. We're like worth liking. And there's this, like, I, I hope this is working out okay. And it's difficult. Sometimes you have a friend and you really just are connected to that person and then they move away or you move away. And then there's this kind of internal re-up. It's like, okay, we have to do this again. I remember Pastor Ike and his family and Jessica and his family came from New Zealand last year. It just blew my mind thinking about, I mean, you guys have to like find all new friends? Like, that's a lot of work. And there has to probably be this pep talk every day. It's like, I like Lindora. I like Fiddle Church. I want to do this again, right? And so it's, 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 it's difficult to, to find those people. But once you do, it's then on us to make sure, that, hey, are we, are we following the, the blueprint that God has laid out in Scripture for our friendships? So as we look at this verse one more time, Proverbs 18, verse 24. A man and many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So what Solomon is doing here is he is he's, he's showing us that there are two classifications for friendships that we're going to talk about today. So in the first bucket, we have what we're going to call wide relationships, wide relationships, and contrasting that with deep friendship. Wide relationship versus deep friendship. And what I don't want you to see here as we talk about this is I don't want you to think of wide relationships as bad and deep friendships as good. I'm not saying that at all. It's not that simple. Um, we, we need both of these things in our lives. Now, what is a wide relationship? A wide relationship is a relationship that most of us have with like 90% of the people that we know, right? Like, so this is high school friends, college buddies, the person that you... You're getting to know at your soccer league on Thursday night, uh, the people that you are in the same, you know, sports leagues with your friends or Facebook friends. These are most relationships that we have. Deep friendships, however, is, is much more to do with, hey, this is one, two, three people who really know me well, who really know kind of what I'm up to on a daily basis, who really care about me, they love me, they love the things that I love. Wide relationship versus deep friendship. And so here's the thing, we need wide relationships. We need to be in community with people. And here's why we need this, is because as, as, as people who, you know, have influence, as leaders, as people who have kind of our jobs, we need to be reminded that we are a small part of a larger whole, right? Like, we need to know that, hey, I'm, you know, I'm Stephen, and I'm just one of the people that attends Foothill Church, and there's a lot of more of other you guys. And so it's, it's important that we know that. We have perspective in that 
no, I'm the most important person here. That's, that's ridiculous, right? And so we have to know how we compare in that way. Also, it's important that we, we are, are rubbing shoulders against people who are different than us, ethnically, socioeconomically, people who are older than us, younger than us, people that, that have different stories than us. And it reminds us that, oh yeah, I'm not the center of the universe. Like, I, what, what I think isn't what everybody else thinks. You, you guys ever know people like that, right? It's just like they're just so, you know, lost in their world where they think that everyone else should just think the way that they think. Well, the likelihood is high that they do not have a, a great community of people around them. And so we need this in our lives. We don't need to be those neighbors that just like kind of pull up into our driveway and like disappear for the night. We need to be out there. I remember when I was a kid um, in the, 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 the neighborhood we lived in, we had a, a cul-de-sac and like every day from like 3 p.m. to 7 p.m., 8 p.m. at night, we were outside and just kind of hanging out, playing games, playing football, playing hockey. And there was just this kind of vibe on our street where there were all the kids that were out there and the, the parents would open up the garage doors and kind of peek out every once in a while but not really care too much about us because it was the 80s and they don't care about kids in the 80s. But um, <laughs> there was this kind of general concern but not really. Um, and and, and you, were, you were out there. You were just kind of hanging out and just having fun as a kid and people would open their garages up, and people would have neighborhood barbecues. Like, you guys remember these times? And it's been talked about ad nauseum, but we just don't live in that culture anymore. People commute, and people live in different neighborhoods than they work in, so they're, they're driving all the time, and they pull up into their garage and close the garage door, and they just want to be by themselves and just kind of rest. And that's, that's fine, but it's difficult. It's more difficult to be a good neighbor in that setting. And, and what do we do, like, at 8 p.m., right? Like, half of this group probably just, like, turns on Netflix and, like, tries to see what we can watch next. And some of us are even worse because it's not like we have Netflix on the big screen TV with the couches and people can sit with us. We're, like, on the toilet watching Netflix on our, on our phone, right? It's like, how antisocial can we be, right? <laughs> Guilty. Um, so... <laughs> We need people. We need people around us. I remember the first apartment uh, my wife Katie and I moved into was in Temecula. And, and there was this, this woman who was our next-door neighbor. Her name, was, her name was Shanda. Is anybody named Shanda here? I don't want to embarrass anyone or anything. Not that that's you or anything, but I've never heard this name before. This lady's name was Shanda. And Shanda was a little bit high-maintenance, okay? So we would we'd roll up, and we'd, we'd go upstairs, and walk up the stairs, I'd be like, I hope Shanda's not home. I hope she doesn't talk to us because Shanda always had drama in her life. Like, something was always happening, and she was my neighbor. She was a Christian, and, and, and here's the thing. It just, it took so much energy for us to interact with Shanda and have dinner with her, but the problem was is that Shanda, like, cut hair for a living, and I liked free haircuts, so I was kind of <laughs> like, I, I had to, like, interact with her a little bit. It's the messiness of being with neighbors, Right? It's the messiness of being community, but God says it's so worthwhile to have those wide relationships, to, like, hear from people. Like, it was a blessing to me, believe it or not, that I heard about Shanda's drama and her boyfriend drama. It, it was good for me <coughs> not only to, to be there for her, but it gave me a, a broader perspective of what people are dealing with. And so as, as we think about the relationships in our lives uh, we, we see that there's different people in different places. So Solomon, the, the writer of Proverbs, he writes in Ecclesiastes. You don't have to turn there, but Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. Maybe just write it down, go back to it, look at it later. 
Ecclesiastes 4, 7 through 12, Solomon talks about two different kinds of people. And Solomon says, look, there, there are people who are out there every day and they're just grinding away. They're just working and toiling at their work. And I've seen it all and it's a vanity. He says it's not worthwhile. It's not worth their time because they don't have anyone to spend that time with or, spend or enjoy that life with. They're on their own. And as I look at that verse, it challenges me and it, it, it perplexes me because there's a lot of people in our church who have chosen to live that way. And they have no margin in their life to have any kind of relationships out of the, the things that they're focused on. So it, it's, about, it's about their work, it's their business, or their, their family, or their hobbies, or their kids, right? That's a huge one in our culture. It's just about the kids, and they have zero margin when it comes to knowing and understanding new people and hearing, hearing from new people. Uh, it's like I've, seen, I've heard some financial you know, people who are smarter than me talk about when you do a budget, you want to make sure that there's some margin. So that way, if you, as a Christian, just simply want to bless people on top of that, that you actually have room in your financial budget to do that. And I would say it's the same thing with social capital. We need to have time and energy set aside to make sure that we have room Christian, we have room for when God wants to bring someone into our life, it's not an inconvenience to us, that we have room for that. And so Ecclesiastes 4, when Solomon says, look, I've seen that person, they work every day, they work so hard, and they have nothing to show for it, they have no relationships. But then in verses 9 through 12, Solomon talks about, hey, there's, there's this other group of people, this is the story that we want to be a part of. There's this other group of people who, when, hey, when one person falls, there's someone there to pick them up. When, when one person needs something, someone's there to help them. When, when someone needs to have, uh, ha have help, when there's a conflict, when, when somebody is kind of after them, there's going to be kind of backup. There's going to be people who have your back. One more quick story about Shane. So uh, I might have told this story before, but one time Shane and I were with our families, and, uh, and we were at a bowling alley. And, uh, and we're bowling in one lane, and I'm being an idiot, okay? I'm, like, taking the bowling ball and doing the whole, like, behind-the-head thing on, on legs, and I'm chucking in the air, and, and this was, like, when I was really immature. It was, like, a year ago. So, like, there's a... It was longer ago than that. But, so I'm throwing the ball, and I'm, I'm just, like, I'm not, really not respecting the place, but that's besides the point. But I'm throwing the ball, and I throw it really hard, and I throw it so hard, it lands in the lane of the guy next to me. So here's the thing about the guy in the lane next to me. He's got his bowling ball, his bowling shoes, his, his apparatus on his hand for his wrist and everything. He is bowling a perfect game. He's just killing it. He's just like strike after strike after strike. And I'm, you know, idiot Steven, throwing the bowling ball and lands in this other person's lane, totally messes up their game. Now, I didn't know you could actually reset it and all that stuff. But at the time, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry this happened. And, and I, I was looking around. I was like, what are we going to do about this? And Shane has left the building. Shane literally left. He, he booked it for the parking lot because he does not like conflict that much. So, look, guys, when you look for friends, look for people who are going to stick around. Who are gonna, not that Shane would have been able to do anything anyway. He's kind of skinny and, like, he's wearing those tight jeans all the time. But <laughs> you need people who are going to stick around to help you, Right? And this is, what, this is what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes. If you have backup, if you have people in your life who care about you, who will stick around when things go bad, then you're, you're going you're gonna to win at that part. You're going to have a much better time finding good friends. So here's the thing, though. 
when it comes to friendship, look, you can't be, you can't have deep friendships with everyone, though. Right? Like, some people don't understand that. Some people want to just move too quickly or maybe move preemptively from wide relationships to deep friendship. There was a guy in high school, Kate and I went to school with, and, and he would go behind people, and he would, seriously, he would massage their shoulders, and he would whisper, he's like, how does that feel? Like, that feels really bad. Like, please don't touch me, right? Like, and he just didn't understand those lines of social norms and, and wanted to have, I'm like, that's not an activity that's appropriate for our relationship, right? That's, that's not where we're headed. And we can't share every life experience with everyone or, you know, creepy massage. Like, you can't share all those things with everyone. And that's why what's awesome is that in Proverbs 18, we also see that there's a friend there's a friend who may stick closer than a brother. That God also says, hey, this is available to us as well. And so I really just want to challenge you here with the time we have left. And God wants us to have deep friendships. Deep friendships. But before we get there, just by show of hands, how many of you guys are, are married? How many of you guys are married? Yeah, there's quite a few of us in here. So here's the thing. I hope you haven't already done this before, but don't tune me out here. All right, because when I say, hey, you need a deep friendship, I- I'm still talking to you. you know, I'm, I'm married to my best friend. Well, good for you. Like, so am I, okay? But I- I- I'm saying, look, here, when you're married to someone and you have a good friend, that's, that's a different relationship. There are nuances and layers to a marriage that you're just not going to get in a deep friend and vice versa. And so married people, you need this as well. Right? Like, if you're that guy who's like, I just can't believe I got this lady to marry me, and I'm just going like, to ride this out for 40 years, like, you still need to get out there and find yourself a friend. You still need people in your life to tell you what's up, right? Like, that's just the reality of how we relate, how God has created us. I mean, God has this amazing dream for the church that we wouldn't just be people sitting in rows, coming to church on Sunday mornings, worshiping, opening up our Bibles, and leaving. I really believe God's dream has much more to do with us interacting at a deeper level. Like, do you have this person? Maybe if you do, awesome. Maybe even just write their name down on your notes or maybe even write your name down, write their name down to send them an encouraging text later or something like that. Just, but think about this person as we talk about deep friendship together. So as we do this, I just want to share a few things from my own life because personally, I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for my closest friends. I just wouldn't. Not that I'm like so successful or anything. It's just like the person that I am today has been largely formed because of the grace of God in my life, giving me people to speak into my life because of these deep friendships. And so three things when it comes to deep friendships, and then we'll, we'll get out of here, okay? So number one is this. Number one, when it comes to deep friendship, it's about running in the same direction. It's about running in the same direction. I'm borrowing here from Pastor Chris and his analogy because this analogy is, is great when it comes to if you want to find a spouse or if you want to find a deep friendship, I would add, look, it's about running in the same direction. And so for us as Christians, what does that mean? That means that God is front and center, that with everything in our hearts, we are chasing after the Lord and his will. Like we're pressing into Jesus with all that we do, all that we say, and it's, if we're running this, this, life, this, this race in life, as Paul talks about, we are running towards Christ as, as hard as possible. And when it comes to deep friendship, it's about looking to your right, looking to your left, and saying, hey, who's doing this with me already? 
Like who happens to be running the same race, running the same direction that I'm running? That's the kind of person that we probably will have a good chance of being in a good, good relationship with. And, and we, we oftentimes do this backwards, right? Like we, we look at friendship, and it's like, oh man, or even just like a potential spouses. That, that person's so hot, or that girl's hot, or hey, this person's popular, and uh, it would be awesome to kind of be their friends. And uh, like, look, it's, it's so difficult for them to kind of move their attention towards the thing that you're already chasing. It's almost impossible. That friendship will not last. And so first thing is, it's about, it's about chasing, the, the same, running in the same direction. And as we look at examples throughout Scripture of folks who are running in the same direction, uh, I can't help but think of Jonathan and David. How many of you guys have heard of Jonathan and David from, from the Old Testament? Yeah. How many of you guys have heard of uh, uh, David and Goliath? David and Goliath. Yeah, most of us have, right? So I, I like to think of David with these kind of two duos, right? So David and Goliath, like Kobe and Shaq, right? Like, and David and Jonathan is like, like Kobe and Powell, right? So like much more friendly, much more. So David and Jonathan, their friendship was amazing. Man, these are two guys who should not have been friends. Yet they were. God blessed them with this beautiful friendship. So if you have your Bibles, turn just for a minute to 1 Samuel. It's in the Old Testament. It goes Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. We're looking at 1 Samuel chapter 18. And we're looking at the story of, of Jonathan and David and their friendship, the example to us. 1 Samuel 18, verse 1. Says this, as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day, would not let him return to his father's house. And then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that he was wearing, his outer garment, his jacket. He gave it to David, as well as his armor and his sword, and even his bow and his belt. Jonathan and David, their souls were knit together. When, when I was in junior high, I remember I had this group of friends, uh, really good, good friends. I mean, we had a lot in common. We, we did a lot of stuff together. We kind of grew up junior high, high school together. And I, I remember going through those transitions and thinking, this is my group. This is my people, right? And this is, this is what we're about. We're going to hang out every weekend and make plans. And we went to, to, to school dances as groups and kind of made fun of everybody and, you know, did, did these things that friends do in high school. We would TP people's houses. And there was a lot of fun, a lot of joking and a lot of affinity. But here's the thing. As I read this passage in 1 Samuel 18, as I read about how Jonathan and David, their souls were knitted together, Man, I, I can honestly say, I, I don't think I have I've had any friendships like that, where a friend would love me in the same way that he loved himself. I, I had some good friendships, but did I ever have a soul-knitted friendship? I, I don't think so, and I would say that, that that sounds pretty awesome. That sounds pretty worthwhile. And as we look at Jonathan and David as, as their souls were knitted together, we realize that, man, there may be common interests that we have with people, but not the knitting of souls. What is the knitting of souls anyway? The knitting of souls. Okay, so not the knitting of minds, right? It wasn't about that their intellects, that their, their academics were on the same level, that they could talk about, you know, really smart things. That's not what we're talking about. It says the knitting of souls. 
So this has to do with a spiritual connection. It has to do with that David and Jonathan were both headed in the same direction, and they both valued the same things. David wrote down much of this in the Psalms about his soul, what his soul desired. Let's look at the first one here, Psalm 25, verse 1. It says this, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Short verse, but incredibly profound. Because if you know the life of David, David had a lot of things that could and were distracting to him. And yet he says this in a moment of honesty, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul, not to some woman, not to some thing, not to some amount of wealth or army or prestige or politics. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. And in Psalm 42, 2, he says something similar. He says, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. If you, if you know your Bible, Psalm 42, verse 1, talks about as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul longs for thee. And he says, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. So, first of all, David, his heart, his soul was pointed in God's direction. And David loved the Lord with everything in him. And just, let me just ask you as a kind of a, a side question, can you, can you say this about your relationship with God? Pro- probably not. I mean, I'm not, I'm not there every day for sure. And so it, it's like, that's the first challenge to us as we are seeking friendships as we are seeking relationships, and even as, as we think about our marriages even, like, is, is our soul, is our soul lift up to the Lord? Do we desire Jesus, do we desire God more than anything in our life? And as David wrote these words, as David kind of tried to live this out, he looked to his right and to his left and he says, hey, who is doing this with me? And he sees Jonathan. And there's countless times in the Old Testament when Jonathan would speak up and Jonathan would say, look, I know things are hitting the fan and everybody's stressed out and everybody's worried about the politics of, of, of Saul's camp and David's camp. And look, the Lord that I serve, the Lord that we serve is going to get us through this. And Jonathan, his heart was in the same place as David. And so that's really the first thing I want us to see when it comes to engaging someone in deep friendship, it's about running in the same direction. The second thing is this, it's not about depth, I'm sorry, it's about depth, not affinity. It's about depth, not affinity. And, and here it goes back to David and Jonathan a little bit, but even think about your own relationships. So oftentimes we are quick to assign the title of friendship, of, of hey, this is my BFF, hey, this is the person that I want to hang out with all the time, because of common interests, because we're neighbors, because we happen to work at the same place, because we happen to go to the same college and do the same major and we take all the same classes together, because you like the Dodgers? Oh, me too. Or hey, you like craft beer and buffalo wings? We're soulmates, right? Like maybe that one last one's true. But it, it, the truth is, is that there's so much more than just commonalities, right? There's so much more than common interests. And if you look at Jonathan and David, their lives could not have been more different. Like Jonathan was royalty. He was Saul's son, and he grew up in a palace. David was a sheep herder who grew up in a tent. Jonathan, this is kind of awkward, right? Jonathan was supposed to be the next king of Israel. David was actually anointed by the high priest and said, hey, you're supposed to be the next king of Israel. And these guys were best friends. So what connected them? What brought these guys together? Why were their souls knitted together? Well, what's really going on here is I, I think that these guys just had a depth of friendship you don't see every day. Um, 
you know, I'm in my mid-30s now. It's kind of weird to say that a lot, actually, mid-30s, and thinking about the relationships I have in my life and thinking about the people that have kind of come and gone, and not necessarily to their fault, but just life. And I can honestly say that God has now blessed me with a few really great friends, uh, really great men who, who I respect and admire and, and love and care for, and, and there's that mutual respect, and there's this spiritual connection with them. Like, we can talk about spiritual things, and it doesn't get all weird, Right? Uh, I'm, I'm so blessed with that. One of the guys, as I was thinking about this, just in the last two years is Ebenezer. Ebenezer's a deacon here at Fiddle Church. Uh, he preached two weeks ago. And, and Ebby, Ebby and I, we really don't have very much in common. Like, Ebby is from Ghana, Africa. I am not, right? So uh, Ebenezer has lived in like 20 different places. He's moved his family places. Ebby has this huge kind of perspective of the world. And he's kind of this world citizen. I have lived in Southern California all my life, and I live in Glendora. And, you know, my perspective is much narrower. I happen to love sushi. I, I love sushi. I could eat it every day, right? Ebenezer would not touch raw fish with, you know, if his life depended on it. It's just like, why would you do that? Why would you eat that? I don't, I don't know. It tastes good. But Abby and I don't have very much in common. So why are we such good friends? What brings us together? Well, I, I really see Abby as as my guy when it comes to, man, Abby and I really care for each other spiritually. There is genuine concern when it comes to, hey, how's your family doing? How is things going at work? How, and I, Ebenezer works at World Vision. I work here at Fiddle Church. We, we, we have a lot to talk about in the sense of the, kind of these deeper issues. He, we, we ask about family, and we, we care for each other. He's one of the guys that before, uh, before I preach on a Sunday, before 8 a.m. service today, um, I found Ebby at Grand Avenue. I was like, hey, man, you just pray for me. And he did the same for me like two weeks ago. We just do this. There's genuine care and concern because I want to see the Lord at work in his life. And I know that that is his desire for me as well. Now, I, I don't say this to, to brag, right? And uh, I don't say this because it's like I got this down. I just want to challenge you a little bit because do you have this in your life? Do you have someone in your life that you can describe in that way that you, it goes past uh, just kind of surface connections and affinity? Do you have somebody who can get deep with? Do you have somebody who knows your sin? Somebody who knows your flaws, your shortcomings? Do you have somebody to celebrate with when, when things come through? Who is that person you call when things are, are at its worst or at its best? Man, we need this in our life. We need those, depth, those deep relationships. And let me just say this too. It's most likely it's the people to your right and the left. Um, and what I mean by that is it's most likely not going to be one of the pastoral staff. If I can just say that out loud. Um, look, our, our church is not a small church anymore. I mean, this is the middle of summer, but we have four services. We're on two campuses there's a lot more of you than there are of the pastoral staff. And if I can just kind of throw this out there, I'd love to have coffee with you and hang out and get to know you, but the likelihood of us having a deep friendship is not as, as high as you doing that with someone in your growth group, someone in your service team, someone that you can see and know on a regular basis. And, and so I encourage you, take responsibility for that. Like, make that happen in your life, and don't put that on the pastoral staff to say, hey, you're responsible for my community. It's just not realistic. We need to find those people around us. We need to chase after that. And that's really number three. The last point is sometimes we have to simply ask God for it. 
We need to ask God for it because it's difficult. Community is difficult. Friendship is difficult. It's hard to find people to get along with oftentimes. Friendship is a fight. It's not like the movies where you're going to take your connection card out of here and walk to the black info tent and bump into somebody on the way there and realize, oh, you have a connection card as well. Let's be best friends forever. Let's go have cupcakes after service or something, right? It's not going to happen that way. It's going to be more awkward. There's going to be conversations. You're going to probably have to stick around after service and talk to someone. And it just, that's life. You got to do it. You, ha- you have to find time and find the uh, understanding that, look, this is worthwhile. I want to get to know people. And we try to make that as simple as possible here at Foothill. I mean, all you have to do is just fill out a connection card, start serving. Uh, in a couple of weeks, I talked about joining a growth group. I challenge every one of you, if you're not in community, if you're not in a growth group, you need to join a growth group. It's the way that God will do some of the best work in your life through that group of people. And so I encourage you to do that as well. So, look, it's, it's, it can be awkward. It can be a fight to, to find friendship. But when you are consistent and when you have found that person and it's like, look, we're going to make this a priority, it's such a benefit. It's such a beautiful thing to see those friendships sustain us and help us. Uh, my, my wife, uh, sitting right over here, she, she, uh, she would say herself that she's not that great at sustaining long-term friendships. Um, case in point, sometimes people will text her, throw my wife under the bus here a little bit. Sometimes people will text her, and she won't text them back, like, for, like, a day. I'm like, why don't you text them back? Just, like, text them that you got the text, right? Like, I'll get back to you. And she just doesn't do it. And so this is one of the areas that God is sanctifying her in through her husband. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's one of these things where she's just not great at sometimes maintaining those long-term relationships until about two years ago. And two years ago, she got into this group of, of ladies, about seven girls, um, kind of similar stage of life, and she meets with them every month for dinner and just to hang out and talk and to pray together. And it's been awesome to watch the fruits of that consistent friendship in her life really change the way that she does friendship, does relationship. And it's been incredibly, just, it's been worthwhile. Now, here's the thing, though. We have four kids. We work in ministry. Like, we're busy people, and it's like, it takes work sometimes to make that happen. But it's a priority. Every single week, every single month, they are supposed to get together and have dinner, and she gets on, on Pinterest and has to make these fancy green beans or something, right? And just like, we have to kind of, okay, everybody have everything they need, and so this night she heads out, and so oftentimes she's leaving the kitchen a mess, and I'm there with the kids, and I'm like, all right, go have fun with your dinner, bye. And I, I don't see this to complain, I see this because, look, it takes effort. It takes time. It takes really some intentionality in saying, hey, this is going to be a priority for us. I see this as a benefit in your life, babe. You need to go do this every time. And, and this is what it's like with friendship. Sometimes we have to chase after it. Sometimes we have to awkwardly ask, hey, can we start this kind of relationship together? You know, as we wrap this up, I, I want to just point, to you, point you to Jesus here a, a little bit as far as his example, because Jesus did this better than anyone. In his ministry here on earth, Jesus modeled friendship and relationship better than anyone. And so when he decided to come and to, to do what he did here on earth, and he, uh, he used the vehicle of relationship through his disciples, and he called them friends. John 15 says this, This is my commandment that, I, that you love one another as I have loved you, 
Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. And again, I I bring this up because Jesus modeled friendship first. And so when we step into healthy, biblical community and friendship, what we are doing is we are emulating Christ in the way that we serve one another and care for one another. We, we are giving ourselves opportunity to speak the gospel of grace and forgiveness into each other. Because I'm not going to do that to somebody I don't know. Right? Like, I'm not going to say, hey, you should forgive your, your, your dad. And I don't know you. I don't know your story. I don't know your situation. But I'll, I'll, I'll say that to a friend. You'll say that to a friend when there needs to be something said that, that is counterintuitive to the gospel, you will say that to a friend. And so this is why friendship is so important. This is why it's at stake that we, we do this, that we sharpen one another. And so church, don't settle for wide relationships. Man, we, we need wide relationships, we do. But again, if you're that guy on the toilet watching Netflix on your phone, get out there, okay? And just seriously, find people to do life with. Find people who are going to love you and care for you and know you. And in doing so, we model the life of Christ to one another. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for your, your word. And God, as we just talked about the example of Christ, thank you that we don't have to go very far to, to try to figure out how do we do relationships God, we need to just look at the way that you prioritize friendships. That how you had, had these disciples that you did life with, how you had these, these men that, that you cared for, and, and not only just these 12 disciples, but the three as well. Those deeper friendships that you, you modeled as well, Lord. I, I pray, God, that we would find that same value. And God, not just for the common grace of enjoying friends, there's nothing wrong with that. We, we love enjoying life with people. God, I pray that we would see a higher purpose, that a higher value, that we would model Christ to one another in community. That we'd model friendship, that we'd model grace to each other, that when people would wrong us, that it's because of our friendships that we would be able to offer grace in return. God, we thank you so much that you call us friend. We pray this in your name. Amen.